We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Purple Talk Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, your host, and uh, we are in some strange times right now. Uh, it's absolutely bizarre. The NBA is shut down, um, but we're going to make a concerted effort to do more podcasts. We're going we're gonna to reach out as far as we can, um, extend ourselves as far as we can in the podcasting realm, because I know a lot of people are stuck in their homes. Um, they're not able to go anywhere and they need they need something to sort of ease their mind or at least to inform them. And so we're going to try to up the content when it comes to podcasting. And uh, sometimes that means you got to go outside of the good old U.S. And um, I have a good friend who lives in Italy, uh, who's covered the NBA for uh, all kinds of different networks, uh, Sky, um, NBA, Italy, um uh, all kinds of stuff. So uh, we're going to bring in from Tuscany, uh, Riccardo Pratisi. What's going on, Ricardo? I'm doing fine. I mean, even under these circumstances, they are absolutely awful here. And uh, unfortunately, I know it's coming to U.S. too. The coronavirus is, uh, has, been, uh, has been tough to handle. So you are in Tuscany, um, and I know you have other places that you travel to in Italy, but how long have you been on lockdown, and, and sort of what has your daily grind been like um, since this whole, uh, since Italy took the drastic step of, of really shutting down their country? Basically, we have been in this position for, for a, a week, and we're going to stay in this position for another week, and then we will go from there. It's not uh, unthinkable that these uh, drastic measures going to be renewed for quite a while once again. The peak of the pathology is supposed to come uh, next week. And then we should slowly start go downhill. But again, it's just a preview and uh, nothing is for sure. I mean, uh, it's a pandemic that is completely new, as you know, like me, better than me probably. And... Uh, we don't have any reference in the past, so we are just uh, scrambling and trying to do the best we can. Of course, the North 
it's a complete mess because I mean my newspaper Gazeta lo Sport, the newspaper I work for and I write about the NBA for, uh, is in Milan as the headquarter is in Milan, and they basically are shut down. Everybody's working from home, so smart, smart uh, working, using chats uh, again Skype, uh, uh, Facebook Messenger. All Telegram, uh, WhatsApp, all this kind of stuff, trying to find a way to, you know, give the best information available to to our readers, at the same time stay safe, because it's a, a social responsibility to stay safe, uh, because you know to to avoid you know to to spread the virus. Now you've talked about this. Uh, me and you have a direct message back and forth. Um, and just so people know, uh, this last summer. I took my family on a European vacation. Uh, I was Clark W. Griswold taking my family through Europe, um, and we stopped in uh, in the Tuscany region of Italy uh, as, as one of our stops, and actually uh, met up with Ricardo, and he he took us to one of his family homes, and we hung out, and uh, we've been friends. I, I don't know what has it been uh, four years since you you came over and really started covering the NBA. Um, from the states, uh, you you started in San Antonio, uh, but then you ended up in Sacramento for two seasons, uh, covering Marco Bellinelli, and then after Bellinelli left, you stayed uh, just because it was a good central hub. Um, but how how are you adjusting? Because I know you as this ultra ultra, uh, you're Type A. Uh, you love people. You want to be around people. Um, are you going stir crazy? And how much outside, uh, like sort of, contact are you having with people? I mean, it's crazy because, like you said, I, I work the um, covering the NBA since uh, since 2014 to 2018. In autumn, I came back, and since then, I started working late at night. Because you know the hour differential, right? Mm -hmm. So California normally is nine hours. Now is eight because of the legal uh, hours uh, and yeah, the solar, you know, the, the one hour differential. And uh, basically, I start working normally at one a.m. and uh, I finish my deadline is seven a.m. Oh. and then I sleep and then normally I sleep in the morning and I get up uh, early afternoon and then I try to to leave now. This has completely changed since, uh, I mean, when the NBA basically closed. Uh, I was up uh, watching was on the league pass what uh, was going on in Oklahoma City. I tried to, you know, to chronicle everything uh, on Twitter, of course, with my handle and mm -hmm. my followers. Many people were awake because, you know, there is a huge passion for NBA basketball here overseas, especially in uh, Italy. Now, I mean, um, it's completely different. We try to wake up a little bit earlier, about six in the morning to have an idea what's happening in the US, if there are some news. Like right now, we just found out that Kevin Durant is positive for coronavirus. Mm -hmm. It is uh, even here. So we try to keep people informed, and, but uh, we can move. Like you said, we can just go out for uh, the grocery store, just to you know, do some shopping, just to cooking something, and uh, we are available to to buy newspaper. It's, it's legal; you don't have any fine, and you can go working. You have to just write and fill special paper 
uh, that were given you by authorities that you basically testifies that you are going uh, from here to there for a reason that you even can't avoid. That can be for health reason, work reason, uh, something like that. Other than that, you can't move. So it basically seems to be like under the war, under war. I mean, like our grandfathers told us, basically we have to stay at home and, and when you move, you have to have a reason. Uh, if not, you can be stopped by the policeman and you get, fi you have a fine, a big fine, because you just uh, spread, you know, the corona, may have spread the coronavirus. They don't want us to aggregate together. That's the, the reason of these uh, laws that are very strictly. But uh, they want people to stay isolated because they don't want the group to form together and make the virus more invasive, more dangerous for everybody. Now, I, I hear people here in the States. Um, I, I don't think it's fully, like not everybody has, uh, has come to the realization of what kind of situation we're in. Um, but Italy, clearly... I mean, you guys have gotten to a point where this has reached critical mass. I mean, um, last I time I read... Some, give you some number, a dramatic number, if you yeah. want. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's just uh, what the newspaper here tell us. And, and I mean, I, I'm one of the guys that, I mean, try to, to help people to know. So we got 2,500 2, people dead. Uh, 2,500 people dead uh, for coronavirus. And um, basically, not everybody is dead just for coronavirus. Many of them has uh, previous pathologies, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yep. They, their immunity system wasn't as good as it should have been, so they were more weak. And when they, I mean, um, the coronavirus attacked them, they couldn't handle and uh, they struggled and they didn't make it. But we got uh, like uh, 26,000 people sick because of coronavirus. 26,000 people sick. That's a big number for Italy. Remember, this is a country with about 50 million people, uh, 55. I don't know exactly how much we, how many we are right now. But I mean, those are big, big numbers for us. And uh, again, we, we try to contain uh, the, the virus. And now, basically, the transport, the trans public transport, or the transport are almost of limits, only for uh, some kind of urgencies. Other than that, not only we cannot travel abroad, but even locally, we have a lot of restriction just because people don't want to. I mean, if you are in a red zone, that is a zone where it, you know the, the the coronavirus is particularly strong. You are not allowed to leave, basically. So basically, you are you are stuck within, no matter what. They don't want to take any risk anymore, and uh, people are dying, and so it's it's really a dramatic situation. It's tough. It's difficult, but uh, I mean, there is a lot of solidarity. If you know if the term is correct, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, we we try to you know. Even uh, when you live in a big palace, uh, you know, big buildings, people try to chant uh, together with some kind of chorus. And I'm not kidding. It's just like this, just to, you know, help each other to, you know, have a uh, spirit higher than uh, it would be in normal circumstances. Because again, I live alone, so it's tough. You are basically lonely, you are stuck. 
and you live on a social network, try to communicate with your families, your friends, your co-worker. Again, it's not easy, but a safe thing to do. And we try to follow the protocol. We try to be responsible. We try to be to do the best we can. We, there is no solution. We just try to do our best, if you know what I mean. Okay, um, here in the States, we, we're having random things. Uh, people are buying up all the toilet paper. People are buying up all the water. Uh, I, I was at the grocery store, there was no bread. Uh, and shockingly, there was no tortillas because I think there was no bread. Um, you know, now we've gotten to a point where if grocery stores haven't restocked in the last day or two, uh, their shelves are almost bare. Um, are you guys facing the same type of, of situation or has it been, uh, I mean, uh, clearly the lifestyle in Italy is different. You guys don't bulk buy, you don't do the things that we do here in the U S but, um, is, is it uh, a sense of community? Are people sharing and, and, you know, or, are pe or people going down and, you know, buying every bit of hand sanitizer and, and taking it home? Unfortunately, it's been exactly the same dynamic. I mean, I guess every the world is very is more similar than, than you may expect. Uh, there was a rush to go to the supermarket, buy everything. Personally, I didn't do, but most of the people did, and um, even things that were not necessarily actually. And uh, the problem is sometimes we don't have enough structure in terms of uh, the the supplies that would be needed in the hospital. And that's the biggest problem. Is not uh, how, how, mu how much meat you may find in the in the grocery store store or in the shop or whatever. The thing is, we don't have the, enough masks. You know the masks that mm -hmm. uh, you use to, to, to contain uh, your breathing because you don't know, you know, if you are uh, positive or not. Personally, I did the test and uh, and I was uh, negative. So, but. Uh, not everybody is allowed to take the test, even if you have some symptoms, because we don't have enough uh, chance to test, if mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Yep. Uh, so we have to, you know, uh, use it only for people that show some kind of symptoms. And uh, we, people who are asymptomatic, they have no symptoms, normally we don't test them. Uh, only if they are famous people, you know, soccer players, actors, politicians, yeah, they do. I don't know, common people, uh, if you go to the hospital, if you don't have a huge symptom, you're really struggling badly, they will not even test you because they don't have enough. So that's the big emergency for us. We don't have in, enough of these uh, infrastructures because we are a small nation and we were not prepared for this kind of struggle, actually. Well, I live in a big nation and we weren't prepared either. So. So don't don't feel like uh, someone lets you down because I think this is something that caught a lot of people off guard. Um, I do know that you know uh, testing is finally starting to open up a little bit more here in California, um, but I do know that as of this weekend, the Sacramento Kings had not been tested uh, as a group. They had not been tested because Sacramento County just had so limited testing kits that if the Kings would have, you know, gone in and demanded tests because of potential exposure, um, you know, it would have taken away from critically ill patients. It would have taken away from healthcare workers that need to be tested. Um, and so they were not, uh, as of, again, as of this weekend, the, the Kings had not been tested individual players. Now, Courtney Kirkland 
the official uh, that was in Sacramento on Wednesday when um, when they shut down the game, um, but also was in um, he was in Utah on Monday calling the Toronto Raptors and Utah Jazz game. He was tested, and he, as far as I, I've heard, was uh, was negative. Negative. Yeah, yeah. negative. Yeah, I, I know. Negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was a sign of relief for everybody who was around him, I guess. But I mean, sometimes you are asymptomatic, and you may still be positive. So you just don't know. That that's why it's so tricky, because some people who seems to struggle, they are negative, and some people who feel completely healthy, they are positive. So, I mean, sometimes it's very difficult. And you have problem breathing. I mean, uh, normally this kind of this stuff, um, I mean, affects much more older people, like mm-hmm. probably, you know, or, or by now. Uh, so, I mean, people in the 70s and the 80s, uh, late 60s, something like that. But if you have some kind of problem with your lungs, with your kidneys or whatever, even if you're younger, you may be in trouble. Uh, you may be at risk of your life uh, because it's very invasive. And uh, again, uh, we, have, we have a lot of even young people going to intense care, uh, intense therapy. And sometimes, again, the infrastructure are, are not there, especially in small uh, hospital. Of course, if you live in Rome and Milan, they're trying to do the, be- the best they can. Those are big cities, like you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, we have contagious everywhere in, small, in, in cities that are not so big and they were not prepared for this kind of uh, you know, pandemic uh, pathology. You know, I, I, I want to ask you, I know here in the States, a lot of people are watching their 401ks just get absolutely demolished in the stock market. Um, the economy is all over the place. Um, you are in a country that really does thrive on tourism. Um, you know, be it Rome or uh, or Florence or Venice uh, or countless other, you know, the Cinque Terre. Uh, it's a city that really does thrive on tourism, and you, you've got to be looking out, you know, a month, two months, three months, and there will not be that surge of U.S. and Canadian and English citizens flooding in. You know, citizens from really all over the world flooding into your country. Uh, what are you guys, uh, as far as your economy, what is happening? What is going through your head and, and what might be in store for you guys? I mean, it's tough because uh, you have to find uh, a balance and it's extremely, extremely different, difficult balance from trying to, you know, to, to consider the, the health a priority, but at the same time, not go bankrupt. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, are so many private activities, and the shops are all closed, and I mean those guys don't get as much repaid for for all the days that have, they have to be closed, and uh, uh, I don't know the offices are closed right now, and if you are a private, I don't know if you are a lawyer, uh, if you have a uh, a real estate office. Now you are losing money. So this, the, our government uh, is giving uh, those people some uh, delays in terms of paying paying taxes, mm-hmm. for example, just uh, to help them. And they people uh, have been given like uh, uh, like a check of six hundred euros per month, like to help them survive this moment. 
but you can understand that 600 euros is not enough of, of course it's just an help it's much better than nothing mm-hmm. but it uh, doesn't cover all the losses that you're gonna uh, have during these t- these tough times so we have i mean we're trying again to balance uh, the safety of the people that has to be the first priority the biggest priority but at the same time we try to survives in terms of uh, our economy that, like you said, is based uh, heavily on tourism. We already have uh, had a lot of people that will not come anymore to the sea this, uh, this summer. They just, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, have, we have reservations that have, have been canceled eventually, just because people don't trust us in a couple of months to be safe, a safe environment. But again, Europe is a mess everywhere. It's just that Italy was probably the first country to face in Europe coronavirus in very serious term. We knew everything started in China, but we had a lot of uh, cases in the north. Uh, let's say February 21, if I'm not wrong, was our first case. Mm-hmm. So we have been around in a, for a month, basically. So we are battling this illness for about a month now. A month now. now I, the one other thing we're hearing about Italy, and it's going to become a situation here, is hospitals are overrun. Um, what have you seen from that as far as, you know, just, I mean, there's not enough ventilators, there's not enough uh, hospital staffing, there's not enough people just to, to help, um, you know, sort of direct what's happening. And, you know, it seems like that's, it's going to be an issue here in the States. It just, we haven't reached that point yet. Um, a lot because we haven't tested a lot of people and so we don't even really know how widespread but i know our arc um is sort of the pathology arc is very similar to where you guys have been in the past and um and so where are you guys at as far as healthcare, and and are you guys going to be able to really are you guys going to be able to survive this is it going to be a situation where uh, you can get healthcare if you need it, or um, is it going to become a, a, a dire situation? No, I mean, uh, one thing to, to specify is that uh, our health, uh, health uh, care is free in Italy. So we basically, we don't pay. Uh, if you go to an hospital, everything is going to be free. And that is not just because uh, it's uh, an emergency right now, it's just how it works in Italy. So you're going to pay some uh, products, of course, some pharmacies, some stuff. But I mean, um, normally, if you have to go to a hospital, everything is free. Of course, we pay much more in terms of taxes that you do in the U.S. So basically, the taxes that we pay more are used to, you know, this kind of, uh, um, you know, services that the government is giving us. So that helps. At the same time, I can tell you a story, and it was—I mean, I was scary. I, when I, went, I told you I went to an hospital here in Tuscany just to test, and um, and the thing is, uh, they gave me the mask. You know, the 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 nurse, correct? The nurse gave me okay. the, the the test, the the mask, and they told me, uh, "This is for you, not for." I mean, you have to be afraid of us. And it's not like we have to be afraid of you. You have to be afraid of us because us is a, as infirmary as people who works in the hospital uh, on, on daily basis. We expect to be all positive to coronavirus. That was scary to hear. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So every guy who works there, because the testing they do every day to people who is sick and is going there, they expect to be positive. And that, I mean, that, that was something that really scared me and admire the, the courage of these people that do their job, uh, putting their life on the line for helping other people when they may be the first one who needs help, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely amazing. Um, all right, so I, I don't want this to be all uh, doom and gloom. Um, we are in a difficult time. Um, but uh, I, I think this is something that I don't know the people outside of the U.S., but, um, well, I mean, I, I think the U.S. doesn't know that, uh, you know, while soccer is tremendously popular in, um, in Italy, and you've actually uh, toured with a national team, you've been to, how, how many countries have you been to? Around 50. Around yeah. 50. How many, uh, U, US, uh, how many U.S. basketball stadiums have you been to? Everybody. I mean, basically, I've been to every NBA arena because I wrote I wrote a book about it, and I've been to uh, 44 American states of 50. So I just missed six American states. So I guess I've been around. You've been around, okay. And then, how many college basketball stadiums have you been to? Oh, I visited like uh, 75 col- colleges, campuses, so college campuses. So I mean, a lot. Okay, and how many NFL stadiums? Uh, NFL stadiums, uh, 31. I missed one in Nashville. I've never been to Nashville, actually. So the Titans, never been there. Okay, so so what we're talking about, people here, is we're talking about uh, a, an Italian man who has been to more venues than any of you, uh, more venues than I've been to, uh, it, not just globally. Uh, but what's, we've talked about... What, Name a couple of random countries that you've gone to that just people might not even know existed to to cover uh, the Italian national soccer team. Absolutely, a couple of ones that are really straight weird are Georgia. So I guess uh, Zaza Pachulia uh, is a guy from uh, from there. Of course. And um, Georgia, Estonia. I've been to Estonia. Uh, that is a place, uh, let's say, Lithuania, Estonia, and uh, Latvia uh, are, are, are places where basketball is big, actually, especially in Lithuania, you know. But Estonia is not uh, even close to be that famous. And uh, let me, let me, uh, I've been to, uh, well, well, I mean, Faroe. The Faroe are small islands, they are. Uh, Technically Danish islands, but basically are in the middle of nowhere. So I've been <laughs> around in, in countries that uh, to go to these places, Faroe Islands. Basically, you have to have a special kind of license for your uh, as um, for your plane because uh, uh, when when you land, it's so small that you have to be prepared for that. is is very unusual. So I've been <laughs> strange. Yeah, also Armenia. It is a very strange country for us, uh, like uh, like um, Middle East, uh, just close to Iran and Iraq. There, so those are one of the most strange or unusual or unheard, I guess, uh, from the U.S. There we go. So uh, Ricardo has been all over the globe. He he's been a sports writer for decades, um, and and I think this is something like 
you we were talking and and as we we're doing this as we were preparing to come on and record this uh kevin durant is one of four players with the the brooklyn nets who have tested positive for corona uh we also have you know christian wood uh, we have donovan mitchell we have rudy gobert um you know I, I don't think we know right now uh did rudy gobert give it to christian wood did christian wood give it to rudy gobert or did they just both get it independently and happen to play basketball against each other, which is completely possible that they both got it grabbing a cart at a grocery store or a gas pump, uh, you know, so, but how much does the NBA mean to the rest of the world? Because I, I know um, you've got a huge following there, uh, but you've been all over and, and you know this probably better than, this is escapism at its best. Uh, people around the globe uh, are drawn to the NBA. How much does it mean to to people that you've run into around the world? Means a lot. It means a lot. I mean, NBA is so big. I mean, uh, right now I can tell you that people late uh, in the evening they have nothing to do. They are locked in at home and they rewatch games from Kobe Bryant. The loss of Kobe Bryant has been a, a tragedy even in uh, in Italy because you know he had big mm-hmm. connection to Italy. His father. I mean, played uh, basketball here. He grew up in Italy. So people are re-watching games now. Uh, Stockton to Malone, and the old Michael Jordans, glory days. Uh, so, I mean, NBA is huge and is a way to spend time now these days when we are, everybody's locked in. We find uh, on YouTube some uh, highlights, some old games, and people share, you know, chatting together about the game. So it's really a big deal. And um, f- of course, for me, for my job, it's been important to be in US because I got the perspective from the locals, from guys like you, from the players, from, mm-hmm. from you know, coaches, uh, from all the media, from US. It is important to, to bring here the point of view from another uh, society because we see the same game, but the point of view is completely different because we caliber the, our point of view to our society that is completely different. So it's very interesting to try to mix it up, try to you know to give the, the, the right picture because it depends from the angle that you take the picture and the same scene, you may have very different pictures. I, I wish everyone could watch uh, like I am. I'm watching Ricardo on, on Skype um, as he he is in Tuscany, uh, and you would know that Ricardo, like most Italian people, talk with their hands, and that was, <laughs> his hands were all over the place while he was explaining that, and I, I love it. There's a passion uh, for the game. There's a different perspective, like what you talk about, and, and I think you captured that very well. Now, I'm going to share a story of mine. Uh, when I was in Italy with Ricardo uh, uh, it came up. I don't know if it came up at uh, while we were hanging out at the beach or while we were uh, what we were doing. But I said, "What do you miss the most about the U.S.?" And what did you tell me? Oh, I I, I, I miss uh, working as an insider there. I mean, uh, being close for me, the reporting is uh, is uh, really a big deal. Uh, I mean, uh, working uh, for. Uh, a show that you see from overseas and it's not it's not easy but i love i love uh, one kind of drink that uh, 
uh, you were kind enough to give me a shirt about it. <laughs> and, it and it was the Dr. Pepper. That's <laughs> right. Very redneck drink, but I love it. And we don't have in Italy. And it's something that uh, it was more than a souvenir kind of stuff. I enjoyed it a lot. That, that show how different it is. I mean, we don't have some kind of food that you got. You don't have some kind of food that we got. It's just, uh, unfortunately, it's a small world in terms of uh, what coronavirus is doing all around the world. For something is very peculiar, right? Yeah, that's right. So it, to finish the story, um, I had asked him and he said, I, I really miss Dr. Pepper. Uh, and of course, you can't get Dr. Pepper in Italy. Uh, and my son, uh, who's 16, and I, I believe he's he's taller than me and he's taller than Ricardo, um, just happened to be traveling with a Dr. Pepper t-shirt, which we were able to impart on you. And your sister was not happy about it because she's like, he's going to wear this everywhere and he's going to tell the story to everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. It was so cool that I'm using it. I used it all summer long. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, again, I can't keep you all day. Thanks so much uh, for coming on and, and talking. Uh, this is a very delicate situation. It's a very hard time globally. I wish nothing but the best for you and your family. I hope that uh, you guys are safe and that you guys remain negative uh, for the coronavirus. Um, and, you know, God bless uh, you guys. And, and I really do hope that um, everything works out for you there, Ricardo. I thank you so much for having me on your podcast. At the same time, uh, again, I wish you well to you, to your beautiful family that I had the privilege to know, to meet in person. And hopefully when we will do another podcast, uh, let's say in one month, we can talk about much better news. And hopefully this, uh, the peak of the pathology is finally done and we can finally start to breathe again much lightly than we do right now. That's right. All right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California. Uh, we will be back later this week. I will be recording another podcast with Doug Christie. We're lining up other guests. We're going to try to bring you as much content as possible because look, stay inside, people. Be safe. Uh, be safe for your loved ones, I think, and the people around you. I think that's uh, one of the bigger things. Uh, even if you're young and healthy and vibrant, you can still pass it along to people um, and you know, I, I'm doing the same thing. I'm not, I will, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. Uh, my father is 73 years old. He has COPD. Uh, if he get, does get this, uh, he's going to have a very difficult time. Uh, and I will likely have a very difficult time as well because of that. So, uh, again, be safe out there. Uh, again, we'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning into the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.